You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition, we're going to be looking ahead to Arsenal's trip to the King Power Stadium, where they will be taking on Brendan Rodgers' Leicester City in the early kickoff on Saturday. Not going to be an easy game, that's for sure. Leicester City, a side who have been stronger than us in recent seasons, a side who have narrowly missed out on finishing in the top four, not just once, but twice consecutively now. Um, A side who have had a mixed start to the season, just like us, and um, a side who pose a really big threat on paper. So it's going to be a really, really interesting game. And I know we've talked a lot, haven't we, about how the first three fixtures, the first three fixtures, sorry, of the season were really difficult. They included an away trip to Brentford, then those two games against Manchester City and Chelsea. But this is probably, since then, I would say league-wise, the biggest test that we've had, a trip away to Leicester City. I know there was a North London derby in there as well, uh, but Spurs at home, I would argue, is an easier fixture or one that's probably more winnable than Leicester away, given how good Leicester have been in recent seasons. I think it's going to be a a real tough test, a real tough fixture. And uh, we're going to look ahead to it right here on this edition of the podcast. We're going to kick off by looking at what Mikel Arteta has had to say ahead of this one. Of course, he faced the media earlier on today. um, And this is what he said. We'll pick out some of the key points because there's quite a bit to unpack. Um, One of the main questions or one of the first questions was with regards to the bug that's meant a few players uh, were unavailable uh, for the game against Leeds. We know that Pablo Marie was due to start and he couldn't. Uh, We know that Ben White was then put into the team. And we also know that Ben White then ended up going off feeling unwell. Um, Mikel had this to say. He said there have been a few of them that haven't been able to train. We picked some knocks up during the game against Leeds as well. But hopefully when everybody's back, we will have better news. So he did go on to say with regards to Ben White specifically, a little bit later on in the press conference, that he is yet to train. He is yet to train since he went off against Leeds United on Tuesday night. So I guess reading between the lines, that doesn't really bode well, in my opinion. You know, to to think that he hasn't had a training session since. I don't know if he's going to train today. Mikel Arteta was speaking ahead of the session. And if he does, great. That puts him in contention. But if he doesn't train again, then you have to feel like we might well end up without Ben White in this one, which disrupts that defensive combination that I think has been so key in Arsenal improving of late. So that's obviously not good news. And you'd have probably rather that happened in one of the home fixtures that we've had um, in the last week or so, as opposed to it being for the trip away to Leicester. But Leicester have had issues of their own at centre-back. Johnny Evans is back now, so I'm told. But, you know, Leicester City have looked vulnerable at times this season as well. So I'm not sure it's one to go crazy about, but obviously not at this stage anyway, because we don't know either way. We don't know if Ben White will be past fit to play, but obviously the concern around his availability is is a is a big one. And, uh, and it's a situation that we're going to have to see how it plays out over the next sort of 24 hours or so. Um, 
Mikel was asked to reveal some of the names because he mentioned that a few players had picked up knocks against Leeds United. He said he wouldn't do that. He said, not yet. Classic Mikel Arteta keeping his cards very, very close to his chest. He was asked about Kieran Tierney, who, of course, uh, didn't play against Aston Villa and didn't play midweek either. Um, so uh, let's see how that goes. But in terms of the update from Mikel Arteta, he said he's progressing in training. Let's see how he is today. He felt a bit better in the last few days, but he wasn't 100% the other day to start the game. Again, we'll see what happens in the last 48 hours. Uh, he was asked about Nuno Tavares and how much he's impressed. Um, and he said that, you know, he'd made a really impressive start to life in the Premier League. He talked about the, the intensity with which he played and he said credit to the boy. I really like what he did. He's still really young. He's still improving. But it was a really, really good performances. Uh, really good performance. Sorry. Um, Mikel was asked about trips to the King Power because he, uh, the, the question was put to him. And he said, you've won on your last two trips to the King Power. What do you think has worked so well there? in the last couple of trips. But Mikel, very cautious not to kind of pinpoint specific things. He said the team has changed. Both our team and Leicester City's teams have changed. There's different formations. There are some principles that Leicester respect really well. He said, I think Brendan and the staff have done brilliantly there. It's going to be a different, uh, a difficult game that will have different phases because of the way they play. And he went on to end by saying it's going to be very, very difficult. Um, just want to pick up a couple of other bits. He was asked about Bern Leno. He, you know, was full of praise for Bern Leno's attitude behind the scenes. Obviously, the German came into the side for the game against Leeds United. He's found himself uh, as the number two goalkeeper in recent weeks. And a lot of people question whether that's something Bern Leno would stand for. And to be honest, I, I do think the future at Arsenal for Bern Leno looks very bleak. I wouldn't be surprised if he left the club this summer. In fact, I think he will leave the club this summer. But for the time being, it seems, at least in the public domain, based on what Mikel's saying, that Bern Leno has remained respectful. He's remained professional. He's got his head down and he's just simply getting on with it. Um, he was asked about the five substitutes thing. And, you know, he, he talked about, um, you know, he, he talked about the the idea of of the impact, I guess, that COVID had. You know, the fact that we needed it, the fact that it was a really, really condensed calendar and teams had to uh, benefit from that. Um, then, of course, you know, he was asked about whether he'd like to see it return the five substitutes thing. Sorry, I'm, I'm reading an article and an advert popped up and it completely threw through my uh, through my trailer thought there. But he was talking about the idea of the World Cup being played every two years and the African Nations Cup and then the domestic cups. And he said, you know, he stressed the point that we really have to take care of the players so we don't burn them out. So I don't think Mikel Arteta is against um, the idea of five substitutions in games. Uh, so he seems to be uh, quite in favour of it. He doesn't say it very clearly, but I think if you read between the lines, he is, is pretty much, um, you know, in, in a non-straightforward way or in a non-blunt way kind of giving his backing for it. He's prompting the thoughts in your mind that come off the back of something like that, off, or off the back of that discussion. And kind of really, I think, without saying, yes, 100%, I want it. He said it's a good possibility. But I think based on what he said, you can take from that, that he is in favour. Um, he was asked what success looks like for Arsenal uh, in terms of a league finish, whether they needed to win silverware. And again, Mikel Arteta, 
pretty much dodged the question. Um, I've already touched on the Ben White bit. He was also asked about Aubameyang and his newish role, if he's enjoying it. Um, he also spoke highly of Gabriel and, and Ben White and the partnership that they formed. He talked about the language thing. He said that Gabriel's language, English language or grasp of the English language is really, really um helped you know that the fact that it's really improved has really helped the fact that um that the the partnership seems to be flourishing and seems to be getting better and better um he was also asked about william saliba asked if the idea or the decision to sign ben white was key and instrumental in the decision to move william saliba out and he did say well everything is linked uh he said that we believed it was the right thing to do he was asked about whether he saw the performance Saliba put in against Mbappe, Neymar and Messi the other day. He says, yes, I see, I did see it. He was also asked if he'd spoken to him and he said that we're always in touch. He also highlighted that Edu um, had, uh, had gone out to France to watch the game and was there in person. Um, you know, he was also kind of, I think they were trying to get him to say something. They were getting him to try and say that, I don't know, that maybe... The way the questioning went, and when you're reading this, you probably don't really get that from it. But if you watch it, I think they were trying to, or whoever it was that asked that particular question, was trying to kind of bait Mikel Arteta into saying, actually, um, yeah, if he was here, he wouldn't be playing against top teams. He'd be sitting on the bench. And Mikel, you know, didn't want to say that. And, and he was very, very careful. And I thought he handled that really, really well because it was an attempt to create a headline and it's a headline that if it did come out and if it was printed in in the way that the journalist wanted it to come across, then we could have had a situation where William Saliba is looking at that from Marseille and thinking, don't really like this. And uh, so I'm glad that he was uh, he was really careful in the way he kind of tiptoed around that question. Um he was asked about Ben White not watching football and not really wanting to watch football, not really um being interested in the game outside of his own performances. Mikel, again, I thought handled that really, really well. He said, I've met players that, you know, don't watch any other football, but watch their own performances back three times. He said, I've watched, you know, he goes, you can't force a player to do something that they don't want to do. But as long as they're competing, as long as they're committed, as long as they've got that enjoyment and love for the game, it's not really an issue for him. I think it's a comment that wouldn't have gone down 100% well with Mikel Arteta because he's very much... Or, or, or comes across anyway as what you would call a student of the game. He probably feels like it's outrageous that a, a defender at the highest level, somebody like Ben White, doesn't watch the game, but equally doesn't want to hang his player out to dry. So I think that Mikel Arteta will have his own view on this one, although he refused to give that view clearly uh, during this press conference, which again is probably the right thing to do. So yeah, um, that pretty much sums it up. The only other bit really was uh, around Martin Odegaard. He was asked if he was disappointed or worried or concerned by the way Odegaard's been playing. Um, he did make the point that he has come back a little bit later than everybody else from the summer. Remember, he joined us quite late in the window, said he had an injury in preseason. He picked up an injury as well the week before, so he's missed some games. Uh, but when he's played, he's done it at a really good level. And in terms of the numbers, i.e. the outputs, goals and assists, um, you know, they can change very quickly. But he did go on to say that the people kind of 
homing in on Martin Odegaard's outputs have probably been a little bit unfair because of the games that he's missed. So Arteta not suggesting in any way that he's unhappy with what he's seen from the Norwegian since his arrival on a permanent deal from Real Madrid in the summer. So that wraps up what Mikel Arteta had to say in the press conference. Let's go on uh, to share with you some stats and some facts around this fixture. And then I will share with you guys the team that I would like to see selected for this fixture. Um, starting off with some of the stats and facts, and I'll just share my screen for those of you joining us uh, via YouTube. It's uh, some detail uh, taken from the Premier League's website. Uh, Arsenal and Leicester City have met 30 times in the Premier League so far. Leicester City have won just five of those. Arsenal have won 17. Uh, there have been eight draws um, between the two sides over the course of their Premier League rivalry, if that's what you want to call it. If you look back at last season, Leicester City won by a goal to nil at the Emirates Stadium during that really difficult run we had. That was on Sunday, the 25th of October. If you remember, it was that shit 7.15 kickoff time as well, which certainly didn't help. Um on the 28th of February, though, uh, earlier this year, Arsenal went and won by three goals to one at the King Power Stadium. If you take it back to the season before, it was a 1-1 draw at the Emirates and we lost 2-0 at the King Power. Um, we lost 3-0 uh, at the King Power the year before that. So despite people saying that we have a very good record at the King Power, it's not that great, is it? I mean, we've won one of the last three trips there. So I don't know where they got that stat from that they pulled up in the press conference, because now that I'm looking at it, it's completely way off the mark, isn't it? Um, are they including the fact that we won there in the Carabao Cup? Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the second win that they're talking about, because we did last season, didn't we, win at, at Leicester in the Carabao Cup? That must be it, because it certainly hasn't been the case in the Premier League. But there you go. Um the referee for the fixture is Michael Oliver. Um, look, I, I don't really get excited or, or feel positive about any Premier League referee being assigned to our games because, quite frankly, I think the standard is way below what it needs to be. I think the introduction of VAR has meant that there are less uh, controversies. There are less moments that go unnoticed, but there are still controversies because referees choosing to ignore the VAR or referees not being told to go over and look at things. I think there's still a problem with officiating here in the Premier League, you know, just as much as anywhere else. And when you think that this is supposed to be the best league in the world, it is frustrating. I think when you're away from home, you need the referee to to protect you and to back you a little bit more than you would at home. Um, and, and I think that's an issue. I think that's a problem. I think that when you go away from home, sometimes the crowd can influence uh, referees and unfortunately it can lead to some really difficult moments and I, I can think back to a few last season where I think referees were influenced by the crowd I think referees incompetence was shown um, to the wider world and the game that really sticks with me last season the one that I just can't get over even to this day was away to Wolves where that penalty was awarded against David Luiz right on the stroke of half time because we were fantastic that day. We really, really were brilliant. And we did all the hard work. You know, we performed really, really well in the first period. We took the lead only to be pegged back right on the stroke of half time by a really poor decision, have a man sent off. And we ended up in a place where we went on to lose the game. So I'm kind of scarred a little bit by that. But 
that one had a massive impact on the result and the outcome of the game. But there have been other moments, you know, where referees have been diabolical. Um, and it's been really poor, really frustrating and really disappointing to see. So you feel like when you go into a fixture like this one, Leicester versus Arsenal, two sides, I believe, who are around about the same level. I know there'll be people out there that say Leicester are ahead of us. I don't think they are. You know, they're above us on goal difference at this moment in time. I think like us, they've got the potential to be a lot better. But up until now, so far this season, they've not shown that. So, you know, I think this is one where it's going to be decided by fine margins. And that's why I'm paying attention to who the referee is this week, because I really don't want to come away from that fixture frustrated and disappointed by a refereeing performance. When it's our own doing, it's equally as difficult to take and frustrating. But, um, you know, you can you can work on that. You can go on the training ground and you can work on it. I just hate seeing games um, decided any games really by by poor officiating. And I am. I don't know why this week, but the name Michael Oliver, plus the fact that we're away from home against a side of Leicester's quality, is making me feel a little bit nervous, I've got to say. Uh, form guide, if you look at the recent form guide, well, Leicester City have picked up a bit of form. They've won against Manchester United and then away to Brentford, which was a good victory after a couple of draws against Palace and Burnley and a defeat at Brighton. Uh, for Arsenal, it's three wins from their last five, two draws uh, with Crystal Palace and Brighton sandwiched in between the victories over Spurs and Aston Villa. Season so far, as I mentioned, the two sides are separated solely by goal difference. Both won four games apiece, both drawn two, both lost three. So identical records. Leicester City scoring more goals than us. They average 1.67 goals per match. We're on 1.11. Uh, they're averaging more goals conceded, though, also 1.67 we're conceding on average 1.44. Arsenal have kept three clean sheets. Leicester City have kept one. Um, they do create more chances per match, according to the Premier League's official stats. Their biggest victory was the 4-2 win over Manchester United at the King Power, as was, of course, the 3-1 win over Spurs. In terms of top player stats, well, Jamie Vardy leads the way between these two sides when it comes to goals. He's got seven in the Premier League so far this term. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is in second on four and Yuri Tielemans sits in third on three. Uh, assists, Ricardo Iheanacho and Iosi Perez are all there uh, with two apiece. And uh, yeah, they lead us in tackles as well. Timothy Castagna, Wilfred and Didi are joint top with 18 tackles apiece. Ricardo Pereira sits in third place. So... Um, yeah, you know, it's it's not going to be an easy fixture. As I've said, it's going to be a, a real difficult one. I think for me, it's really important that if we do play the formation that I think we're going to play, and I'm going to come on to talk about the team in a minute, that we are very, um, very compact without the ball. I think that we're going to, I'd like to see Arsenal try and take the game to Leicester and push really high up the pitch and try and, um, you know, try and squeeze the game the way we did against Aston Villa. I expect Leicester to probably play in the same system formation that Aston Villa did with the three at the back. But, you know, it's it's just a basic formation. You know, there will be tweaks to it. There'll be differences to the way that Leicester City play it and differences to the way that Aston Villa did. Um, I think that there are going to be you know, I think, as I say, I think this is a game that's going to be decided by the finest margins, by the finest details. And so I expect, obviously, Arsenal to do their due preparation. There was a lot of talk after the Villa game. Was it a 4-4-2? Was it a 4-2-3-1? 
as I said, I don't think it was an out and out four four two. I felt like it was a four four one one, or maybe it was even a four two three one. But Alexander Lacazette just worked so hard that he was a striker when we had the ball and a, a midfielder when we didn't. So it's going to be interesting to see if we choose to stick with that. Me personally, I would. I think although. You know, we really squeezed Villa up the park. I think Leicester are a much better side. And I think that the fact that Leicester City are at home means that it's going to be... It's going to be a different game in the sense of can we afford to push as high up the pitch and, and try and be as territorially dominant as we were against Aston Villa? Or do we need to be a little bit more reserve do we need to be a little bit more pragmatic it's really difficult to say because when you talk about playing with the high press um when you talk about trying to squeeze people into their own halves and trying to dominate territory it's not something that you can do half measures it's not something that you know pressing for example you can't say half my team are going to press and the rest are not going to do it because it doesn't work it needs to be a habit it needs to be uh, second nature and it needs to be done in unison. So that's my um, that's my kind of thought process at the moment. Does Mikel Arteta go out and be as aggressive as he was against Aston Villa or does he show Leicester City a little bit more respect? I think that if the pressing game is what he wants to do and it's the way he wants to go, then he has to do it at full tilt again. You know, it has to be uh, done properly. It has to be done you know, fully, it can't be done in half measures. That just doesn't work. So I'm really interested to see if we are going to be that aggressive or if we're going to sit off just slightly. But to run you through the team that I would select to face Brendan Rodgers' Leicester City uh, tomorrow, I've gone with Aaron Ramsdale in goal. I think you can all expect that. I've gone with Tommy Yasu at right back. My centre-backs, assuming, providing that Ben White is available, he will play alongside Gabriel. Uh, Kieran Tierney, if available, should play on the left for me. I think I, I've, I'm having a hard time thinking about this one um, because I do really, really like what I've seen from Nuno Tavares recently. The fact that Nuno Tavares didn't play in midweek maybe suggests that the concern around Kieran Tierney's availability is a bit more than we maybe originally thought. Um, you know, and, and, and Mikel Arteta's kind of trying to play it down. He said that Tierney trained, but he didn't say he'd definitely be available. Um, you know, so we'll see. Um, we'll see what exactly happens there. But I think for me, it's really, really important that we have a settled back four, or at least a settled back four as possible. And I think if if he's okay, then Tierney will probably get the nod ahead of Nuno Tavares. Because although that performance against Villa was good, I, I don't think he's gone ahead of Tierney in the pecking order. Granted, Tierney hasn't been at his best this season, but I, I still think that Tavares probably needs to do more to get ahead of him in, in sort of the in terms of the overall pecking order. I'm going to see uh, put Thomas Partey in midfield alongside Lokonga. If they can play like a unit the way they did against Aston Villa with Lokonga, tucking in alongside Thomas Partey in the pair, being really combat, uh, compact and working in unison and working in tandem with one another, I think that's a really good midfield pairing. Um, from the left-hand side, I'll go with Emil Smith-Rowe. Obviously played against Leeds the other night, which wasn't ideal, but Mikel only felt that he could get away with making the nine changes. Needed to leave a couple of players in there, in his opinion. Odegaard, unavailable as well. Um, obviously, uh, didn't help that because I think if he was available, he might have played and Emil Smith-Rowe might have been given a rest. It'll be Saka from the right. I don't think Nicolas Pepe did enough uh, midweek to 
push his way back into the side. It will be a Bamiang up top, and I think it will be Lacazette again playing in that hole. As I said uh, earlier on, I don't think it's a 4-4-2 per se. I think it's a 4-4-1-1. I think Lacazette has got the ability to work hard and get up alongside a Bamiang when Arsenal are in possession, but also have the presence of mind and the awareness to just drop into that deeper hole and provide uh, a bit of support for Lakonga and Partey, who will be holding the midfield. So that's the team I would go with. Ramsdale in goal, Tomiyasu, White, Gabriel, Tierney, Saka, Partey, Lakonga, Emil Smith-Rowe across the midfield, Lacazette just in behind Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. So the only change I'd make from Aston Villa, providing he's fit enough. If there's any doubt, any question mark about his fitness, though, then for me, Nuno Tavares comes in. But the only change I would make, I think, is that Kieran Tierney comes back into the side. I think he's a better defender than Nuno Tavares. And I think we'll be doing a lot more defending tomorrow than we would have done at home to Aston Villa last Friday night. So that's played a big part in my decision uh, to go with that. I don't think Mikel Arteta will go too far from that. I don't think he'll stray too far from that. But I think the fact that we know there are a few players in the camp, although not named, that have struggled uh, and been kind of taken down by this bug, that could mean that we might see someone come into the side that we didn't necessarily expect. You know, will we see a change at centre-back? Will we see Rob Holding come into the side? I don't know. Um, I hope not. Uh, Will we see Callum Chambers? I hope not. Um, I'd like it to be that settled back line that has done so much, um, you know, for us in terms of stabilising our season. I think I'd like to see those guys play, of course, but obviously that might not be possible. So we're going to have to hold fire and see. In terms of a prediction for this one, I've been predicting all week when I've been asked a 1-1 draw. I'm going to stick with that. I feel like Arsenal can score. I'm not sure we're going to keep a clean sheet at Leicester. They've got some really talented players in the final third. And I, I think that they probably will um, find a way through. Um, but hopefully we can respond and hopefully we can take a point away from the King Power Stadium. Look, a win would be fantastic. A win would be excellent, of course. But I think you need to be realistic about where this Arsenal team are at. And I, I keep saying that because there's this kind of, and, and I see it, you know, I see it from friends of mine and family members of mine who are Arsenal fans that anytime we sort of pick up a victory, it's like, well, you know, we've completely turned the corner now and uh, we should win every single game coming up. And and anything less than that is seen as an outrage, is seen as a, a disappointment, is seen as a failure. And that's not the way it should be. This is a team uh, in Arsenal that are still learning, are still developing, are still pushing forward, are still trying to find their feet, are still trying to find their way. It's still a very fresh new backline. And... Um, you know, as as Sam says in the chat, Arteta isn't going anywhere. So get behind the team, support the team and be realistic in your assessment of the team. I think a draw here would be a good result. Uh, Clucking Bell in the chat says the excuses will be everywhere as it's three points from nine uh, for Arsenal next. It's, it's not about making excuses, man. And And the thing that you need to look at is you need to look at where Arsenal are in comparison to the teams they're competing with. Right. You look at the Premier League table now. OK, and you can say what you want about Arsenal. You can say it's been a disaster start to the season. But the reality is that we're just three points off of the top four. You only com- you need to compare yourselves against the teams you're competing against. You need to compare yourself in terms of where you stand in the Premier League table. And while you're three points off of the top four, 
You can't be outraged. Is it because we're great? No, it's because the teams around us are dropping points. But that only backs up the point that I keep making, that this is a fucking difficult league. And it's not a league in which you're going to win every single game. It's simply not that. Look at Manchester United with their embarrassment of riches. How many players they've bought. And they've already lost three games this season. West Ham, who people are, you know, really kind of going big on at the moment. Gabby Ekbonlahor reckons they're a bigger club than Arsenal, apparently. They've lost two of their nine. We've only lost one more game than them. So you need to kind of... There's no point in having unrealistic expectations in your mind that you will never see your team live up to. Look at the table. Look in comparison to where everybody else is in the teams that we are competing with this season. They are the barometer, not what our standard was 20 years ago. And this is where people go wrong for me. So, you know, I, I just wanted to make that point because I do feel it's a really important one. And and I don't get why, you know, for example, if we were to go and get a draw at Leicester City, and I know there will be people that do that. Oh, we needed to beat Leicester. We had to beat Leicester. No, over the course of the season, you play everybody twice. You need to pick up positive results wherever possible. Obviously, you go out to win games. But for me, you have to be realistic about where you are. And if Arsenal can go on, and take a point from Leicester tomorrow. I'll be pleased with that. If we take on the point and then we go and uh, and beat Watford next week, then again, we're back to that thing I was saying a couple of weeks ago. Average four points to every two games and you'll be in a very, very good position come the end of the season. That should be the aim at this moment for this Arsenal team. Anything more than that is a bonus and it's great. But if you can take four points from every two games and you keep that kind of you keep up that level when you can keep some kind of consistency there. And sometimes you'll take six and sometimes you'll take one. But on average, if you can manage four points over every two games for Arsenal over the course of the season, you will stand yourself a very, very good chance of getting into that top four, let alone the top six. I'm telling you, um, you only need to look at the table in the last few years. Look at the points returns. And I've done the maths, I promise. I've been thinking about this over the last few days. If you can maintain that level, stand a very good chance of finishing there. Right. Um, let's take a few of your questions because uh, we've got a few minutes left. Pop your questions in the live chat box. I'll take some of those. Uh, as I say, my prediction is 1-1. Feel free to get some of your predictions in the chat as well. Uh, but let's see what you guys uh, have to say, your thoughts on my team, etc., etc. Um, Halo says, uh, I say this, the fourth place in the Premier League is up for grabs. Manchester United and Leicester are not up to standard. So why shouldn't Arsenal take the next step? Arsenal's form is fourth in the league. I would say this, Halo, it, it is fourth in the league in terms of what you're looking at now, but is that sustainable? Can we, um, you know, can we take that form on? That's the big question with Arsenal. We know that Arsenal are capable of putting mini runs together under Mikel Arteta because they've done it before. But the big thing for me is, is can we maintain it for a long enough period of time that will see us cement a place in the top six this season? That's really, really important. So it's not impossible, but the consistency question is the one that, holds me back from saying that Arsenal can challenge for the top four this season. If things go in a positive way and we get further down the line, then maybe I'll change my tune on that. But at this moment in time, I, th I still think there's a massive question mark around our consistency. Um, Aaron Robinson makes the point about head-to-head -to -head too. If we can take four from Leicester over the season, then it's really um, then it's really good. It's really positive. Agree. Um, 
Izzy says uh, Liverpool away will be interesting to assess our new backbone. Only then will we know what the new signing's about. Yep, good point. You know, that's a fixture um, that would give us a lot of indication around whether that backline have improved us. But again, remember, Liverpool are capable of destroying any backline. And you have to remember that going into the game. So what I'll be looking for is, are we more difficult to beat? Are we um, more resolute, more resilient rather than if Arsenal don't go and win at Liverpool, then our back line is crap. It's not as simple as that. So, um, you know, I take your point, though. Uh, Clucking Bell says, remember my numbers, Harry, three from nine. I'm not even saying you're going to be wrong. So I don't know. It's like you're ramming it down my throat as if I'm saying that you're going to be wrong. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think that we'll get more than that. Um, you know, I'd like to take five from the next nine. You know, let, let's see. Let's see. Uh, what else have we got here? Let's take a couple of your questions. Uh, Dan Price says, do we sell Leno in January or in the summer? Same question with Lacazette. I don't think that we should, um, I don't think that we should sell either of them in January. I think that January is notoriously a very difficult window to get players in. And I don't like the idea of disrupting the squad and, and changing things too dramatically mid-season. So for me, uh, I'd try and hold on to both of them until the summer. Look, as I've said before, you know, Burn Leno has a bit of a sell-on value, clearly. Good goalkeeper, um, still at an age that is is appealing to potential suitors. Obviously unhappy with his current role at the club and may, you know, may try and push for that move away. But if he doesn't, and if the, the offer is not on the table or a sufficient offer anyway, then I'd keep hold of him because you need to replace him. You know, I don't think we've got another goalkeeper at the club that could step into the number one position when needed and do as good a job as Bern Leno can. So I'd keep hold of him because failing to keep hold of him weakens us for me uh, in January. Same with Alexander Lacazette. I've said it before with Alexander Lacazette, what are you going to get from him for him? You know, in January, it's going to be a nominal fee. It's going to be what? Five, six, I think maybe even 7 million. Is that enough? I don't think so. I don't think it's enough to justify really, weakening your squad because if we're being completely honest he's in a, on a different planet to Enketia he's much better than Balogun at this moment in time and he's really key to the way that we saw us play against Aston Villa and a lot of us are hoping is the way we're going to play moving forward so no I'd keep hold of both of them uh, until the summer uh Matt says what do you think is more important in Jan moving players on and getting money or bringing in players bringing in players for me um you know the African Cup of Nations is a big big concern of mine because of what we're going to lose. We're going to lose Thomas Partey. We're going to lose Nicolas Pepe. Weakens the squad quite a bit, especially with Partey going. And Xhaka, probably just around about that time, will, will be coming back from his injury. And, and therefore, there are risks with that. I think that the midfield is is a really important area in which we have to strengthen. I, I don't trust El Nenny to play every week. I don't trust Maitland-Nars just yet. Um, Johan Sherian on the African Cup of Nations says... Um, there's a rumour AFCON might be cancelled due to COVID fears. Yeah, I've I've read some of those rumours. Don't know if that's going to be the case. I know this sounds massively selfish, but I'm looking at this from a purely Arsenal perspective. And if it got cancelled, I would be pretty pleased. Not because I like to see football cancelled, especially not because of COVID. But, you know, from a purely selfish Arsenal perspective, um, you know, I think it would be... I think it will be better for us. Obviously, there are other teams that are going to be affected. There are some teams that are going to be more affected. I mean, you look at Liverpool, they'd lose Sadio Mane and Mo Salah, you know, and John Matip. That's massive. Um, 
but you know, so yes, it does weaken other sides, but I just don't think, especially in the midfield area with, uh, with Thomas Partey and Xhaka, as I say, expected to be back around that point, but there's no guarantees with that. There's no guarantees. There won't be any setbacks in his recovery. I just think that that's an area we're going to be massively weakened in. So I'm worried about it. Um, I really, really am. Right. Uh, let's see what else you guys are saying. I'm going to take one more question uh, or one more comment. Um, uh, Sam says, how many Premier League games do they miss regarding the um, regarding the African Cup of Nations? I've read somewhere five. I've read somewhere four. I've read all different places. It depends when they're going to travel. It depends when they're going to meet up with the teams. It depends how long that respective team stays in the competition. There's so many factors to this, but I'd imagine it would be, um, you know, at least four or five fixtures uh, because it's a very, you know, compact part of the season, isn't it? I mean, we're not in Europe, so we might get away with it. Um, in term, in comparison to some of our competitors. But I'm not sure exactly. I'd have to look it up, to be honest with you, man. Off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you exactly. Right. Uh, we are going to leave it there. Um, I will be back a little bit later on with my weekend preview. Brand new show that we're bringing to the channel because a lot of you have been asking me to do like a kind of Premier League preview thing where I look at the weekend in general. So we'll do that. I'm going to talk about uh, the Premier League fixtures coming. I'm also going to highlight a couple of games around Europe that if you fancy watching, you probably should this weekend as well. So that should be good fun. Nice bit of banter, nice bit of chat. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more generally about the Premier League and I'd love you guys to join me. Be live at 4.15pm today. So make sure you join me for that and I'll catch you all a little bit later on. Until then, take care of yourselves and come on, you Gunners. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. <laughs>